0: on local now channel 525 the factors not available in all
1: the following program is sponsored by the national
2: prayer chapel
3: revival dot church
2: revival in woodbridge revival dot church revival in woodbridge
3: revival dot church
1: today's broadcast is pre-recorded
2: What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. These are the words of Pastor James to the New Testament church. He doesn't varnish it. He doesn't gussy it up. It's just straight up, look, let's deal with what causes the fights let's deal with cause what with, with what causes the bitterness it's because you want something and you can't have it someone stands in the way i spoke with a man very recently he walks in sin he's very honest about that but he's very argumentative about what he knows about the gospel, about what he knows regarding community. Strange how he can know so much about theology, be so confident about community, strong-willed in his opinions, and yet, completely given over to his
1: wickedness. How's that possible? How's that possible? There's a disconnect. James goes on You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship
2: with the world is hatred? Toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the Spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? It's a real tough verse to translate. It could equally be translated that God jealously longs for the spirit that he made to live in us. Or that the spirit he caused to live in us longs jealously. I suspect that it's that God longs for the spirit he made to live in us. I suspect that's the more accurate translation. That God loves us. But knowing theology will not cause our spirits to submit to Jesus. I talk with men all the time who have great intellects, great understanding of theology. But in their personal lives, they don't walk in obedience to Jesus. There's no weeping over their sin. There's no repentance. There's just this absolute assurance that they're saved and on their way to heaven.
1: This is a problem. We're talking about promises today,
2: how to access the promises of God. You do not access the promises of God by arguing with God about His actions. Why have you done this? Why has this happened, God? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why am I having such a hard time? Why is my job so miserable? Why is my wife so miserable? Why am I so miserable, God? You will not find him that way. You will not find him by fighting with your brother or your sister. You will not find him by a defense of your theological position.
1: You will not find God that way. Let me give you James' answer,
2: reading again in James, the fourth chapter. God opposes the proud Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you want to access a promise of God, let's say you want to access the promise in Genesis 3.15 that he will put enmity between you and your sin, between you and the serpent, the devil. You recognize that you love your sin, You don't want to love it anymore. You want to hate it. As one dear brother said this last Tuesday evening, you will never deal with your sin until you get angry enough at your sin. Not at yourself, at your sin. Until you hate it. You're appalled by it. It's detestable to you. You want to shake it off. Say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Well, how does all of
1: that happen?
2: It starts with humbling our hearts before God. There is no question today about the love God has for you. There's no question that he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an unfailing love. His mercy is there for you. His compassion overflows for you. He died for you. He would have died for just you. He is deeply concerned about your life. He feels the anguish and the pain. As one dear sister said, what happens when your life has been shaped and the course of your life has been set in motion by all of the things that have been done to you, the wrongs that have been done, things that were that should not have been, how do we deal with the pain,
1: the anguish of heart out of our past, It has shaped us. It has sent us on paths
2: that we would not have ever traveled. Some, to our regret, were very destructive. Some of you were set on the path of drug abuse by another person's rejection and and treatment of you, by sexual abuse by parents that did not love you, that criticized you, that never recognized your value or your worth, by people who stole from you and cheated you. Many of you have a great reservoir of pain and anguish in your heart. I want you to hear today Jesus knows about that pain and that anguish of heart, and he put a spirit in you. We are body, soul, and spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. And God put a spirit in you, and he is jealous for that spirit. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. He is eager for you to worship him in your spirit, in your inner man, your inner woman. He wants you to worship him out of that inner spirit. He is jealous for the damage that has been done to your spirit. He feels the pain that you feel, he knows how you have been shaped. And now he wants to come and say to you, I understand your your fighting and your bitterness. I understand your sin. I don't excuse it, but I understand it. I understand that you were born as a child of Adam and Eve. I understand that you didn't get a fair shake. I understand that you were embittered by how people treated you. And all of us have a story of of hurt and of bitterness. Some choose to commit suicide. Just recently, a pastor, a young man in his 30s, committed suicide. And, of course, the church all gathered together and said, we know he loved Jesus, so we know he's in heaven, and we know he's saved. And, of course, he's not saved. He's lost for eternity because he now became a murderer. Some people deal with their pain by committing suicide.
1: It's the chicken way out. It's the coward's way out.
2: Which of us at some point in our life have not considered the coward's way out?
1: I have. But the way out is not the prideful
2: taking of our own lives, the prideful feeling sorry for ourselves. This young man in his suicide note said, you'll love me more after my death. I've put a burden upon you that I shouldn't have put upon you, and and I'll remove that burden by taking my own life.
1: What utter foolishness. What wickedness. The Spirit of God is jealous for your spirit.
2: He wants intimacy with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants to love you and to be loved by you.
1: But there is a a very brave, courageous
2: action that we must take for the Spirit of God to be able to love us and us to love him. For our spirits to come together in fellowship, there is a step we must take. The scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We must deliberately choose to humble our hearts. Well, what does humbling my heart look like? Humbling my heart looks like submission. a lifting up of my hands and saying i have no way to deliver myself i have no way to improve my situation i am overwhelmed by the pain of my heart i recognize that i have gone as far as i can go
1: i recognize that i am powerless And I now submit to you, God.
2: I now submit to you, Jesus. I am going to give up the fight against you. See, pride always causes us to refuse to submit. We're arrogant. We'll stand on our own two feet. We'll swing our own sword. We'll make it happen. You know the old saying that Robert Shuler used to be so famous for when the going gets tough, the tough get
1: going. Such utter insanity. Insanity.
2: The first step that James gives us is submission. Submission. Lifting our hands and saying, Jesus, I belong to you. I can't go any further. I am yours. And then there's a second step he gives us that is very vital. As soon as we take the step of submission to God, immediately the next step is resist the devil. It's submission to God and resisting the devil. And by submitting to God, we immediately have the power to resist the devil. That's the promise of God. There is no excuse for sin. Sin separates us from the one who loves our soul. There is no excuse for it. If we want our soul to be one with Jesus, if we want our spirit to be one with Jesus, then we must submit to Him. We must give up all of our rights. We must give up all of our arguments. We must give up all of our theological correctness.
1: We must give up the fight against God.
2: We must release the accusations we have against him. You haven't treated me fairly, God. I'm angry. All of that has to be submitted to God. As soon as we've submitted these things to God, power flows into us. And now we have the ability to resist the devil and say to him, No, no, I will not do that against Jesus. I am submitted to my Lord. He owns me. I belong to another. You cannot have me, Satan. I will not have the poison of vipers on my lips. I will not take the place of a serpent. Get out of here, devil, in the name of Jesus. Be gone. Resist the devil. And it says, he will flee from you. And then it says, now, come near to God. Some of you say to me, Pastor... It seems like God is a million miles away from me. The reason you feel like God is a million miles away from you is because you have not yet submitted unto him. You have not yet resisted the devil. And you have not yet made the decision to come near to God. You come near to God by giving up the fight against him. You come near to God by saying, I will submit to you, Jesus. I will be who you ask me to be. I will go where you ask me to go. I will do what you ask me to do. I will no longer pursue my own course. I will be a follower of yours, Jesus. And as soon as that takes place, Power flows in you and you can resist the devil and you can then focus your entire energy on coming close to God.
1: And the promise is, He will come near to you. Now, if this occurs, if you begin to come close to God,
2: you then have the right to say to him, Would you come close to me, O Lord Jesus? Now, there have been times in my Christian experience where I have felt very dry, where I have not felt the presence of Jesus please understand what I'm saying. I live with a constant sense of the presence of Jesus in my life. If the presence of Jesus is not in my life, I would die. My life is dependent upon the presence of Jesus in my life. There are some times when it feels to me or I sense in the spirit, feeling isn't right, it's not an emotion, it's a, it's an inner spirit sense that Jesus seems to be a distance from me. I've discovered in my walk through the years that when it seems to me that Jesus is distant from me, it is literally an invitation to come closer to him. One of the things that Jesus does... I can't explain it. I'm not that smart, but I can simply tell you how it works. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted someone to come close to you, and you've been trying to get close to them, and they won't come close, and so you step away and say, okay, if they're not going to let me come close, I'll step away, and as soon as you step away, then they start trying to get close to you? Well, that's what Jesus does with us. He tries to get close to us, and we don't respond. We get tied up in business. We get tied up in activities. We get, and we shove him back away. And so he pulls back, and he waits for us to recognize that that presence is weakening around us and about us and in us. For some of you who are in business, it might be the crashing of your business.
1: Often he'll touch money and cause it to be lost
2: to get our attention. That usually gets my attention very quickly. Or he'll cause something else to happen, and I'll begin to sense that the presence of Jesus is not there, not in the same strength as I know he normally is. And that's immediately a sign for me that I need to stop and very carefully examine. Am I submitted in every area? Yes. Am I walking in sin? No, I'm not. I'm walking clean. Okay, then, is there any area I need to put in stronger resistance against Satan? No, I've resisted him. He's fled from me. Okay, then the issue is I need to come close to Jesus. I need to go in a full court press to come close to Jesus. That means more time in Scripture. That means more time in prayer. That means opening my heart and really talking about what's going on. It may mean fasting for a day. It may mean going to the gym and exercising.
1: Doing whatever the Spirit of God tells me to do. but certainly it means I need to focus entirely on coming close to Jesus because he's calling me closer.
2: This morning I went into my prayer closet, and I was sitting in the prayer closet. I knew what I needed to talk about with you today.
1: And the sense of the presence of Jesus seemed distant. And so
2: I just began to talk with the Lord about how distant he felt to me. And suddenly there was just like the Holy Spirit came down in my bedroom where I have my my prayer area. And tears began to flow down my face, unbidden. Tears just began to flow down my face as the love of God just filled me. The presence of God was just so palpable it was I could almost touch it, and I just stopped and I just sat in his presence until it was time to come to the radio station. I just sat and enjoyed sitting together with him. Have you ever been out walking on a wonderful? Warm summer evening with someone you love dearly, and you don't even need to speak. The love that you share is so powerful and so strong, you don't even need to talk about it.
1: You just walk together in the love that you share with your wife, your husband. A child, you just walk together in the love that you share,
2: and you don't even need to talk about it. it's just it's palpable, it's there, it's between you, and for some reason, the blossoms, the aromas are much stronger, and the the stars are brighter, and the moon is more clear, everything seems magnified.
1: That's what it was like for me this morning as I sat with Jesus. Now, I'm not being sentimental. I'm, I'm talking about the
2: reality of the presence of Jesus when we've submitted our hearts to him. Another word for submission is
1: crucifixion. Submission and crucifixion are the same things. It means letting
2: go of everything of this world. It means wanting Jesus. It means hating sin. It means hating evil. It means letting the love of God begin to come in and do its work in our spirits, taking away the the anxiousness, taking away the fear. Fear rises up in my heart so many times about this radio broadcast, about the finances, and I'll have to sit in my prayer closet or kneel in my prayer closet with the Scriptures, and I have to stay there, submitting to God, being crucified, until this fear is dealt with, because I know fear is unbelief. And God didn't call me with a spirit of unbelief. He called me with a spirit of love and joy and boldness, and belief in his wonderful provision and power. And so I sit in the presence of God, and every morning when I go into the presence of God, I don't always have the experience I had this morning.
1: But this morning he came with power. There was no fear. I humbled my heart before him. And he came. That's his promise.
2: Come near to God and he will come near to you. And then he says, Now wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. Now he's really talking to those who call themselves Christians. This is, this is Pastor James talking to his congregation. This is a sermon you would hear on a Sunday morning. This is the message of God through the pastor to his congregation. And he's saying to them, Wash your hands. Get cleaned up. And I'm coming to you today and I'm saying, My brother, my sister, are your hands clean before God?
1: Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Purify
2: your heart. You do that by submitting to Jesus. You don't do it by hard work on your part. You do it by submitting to Jesus, and then you do it by resisting the devil. He flees from you, and you do it by crying out, Oh, God, come close to me. Come close to me, oh, God. Jesus, I need you. Come close to me. I can't stand walking alone anymore. I need your deliverance in my life. I need your healing in my body. I need your healing in my soul. I need you, Jesus. I need you.
1: And he will come. He will come. And he will meet you.
2: And you will know his presence has come. Because with one sweep of his hand, everything changes. Everything is transformed. You're changed. You're transformed. Your heart is warmed. See, part of the struggle we have is that we've been taught scriptures and we've been taught theology and our hearts are still cold. It wasn't until John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed with the Moravian's that he really began to understand the gospel of Jesus. Before that, it was just cold formalism. It was raw obedience. It was holiness doing it because it was demanded.
1: But When we submit to God, when we truly give it all up and we submit, We humble our hearts.
2: And we resist the devil and say, no, I'm not going to be your servant. I'm not going to belong to you. When we do that, and we determine that we're going to come close to God, our heart will be strangely warmed because God will come close to us. Jesus, by his Spirit, by the power of his blood, will come Remember what he said in Revelation? He said, I stand knocking on the door, and if you will answer, I will come in and I will eat with you. I will fellowship with you. He only comes in and fellowships with submitted people, people who have given up the fight against him, people who have taken up the fight against the
1: devil. How is it with your soul today? Have you been
2: strangely warmed like Wesley talks about with the Moravians or like I'm talking about that occurred to me this morning as the Spirit of God just came and flooded my room
1: and filled me with His presence? The joy and the peace the love. Do you have that? Our phone number here in
2: studio is 877-534-0780. I'd be happy to talk with you. I'd be happy to pray with you if your life has been shaped by the anguish and pain of how you've been treated, if your life has been very difficult, hard, if everything has come hard to you, today you'd like to have that transformed and changed, then call me, please, right now. 877-534-534.
1: 0780. I'd be happy to pray with you.
2: Now, let me give you some information. For the last two months, at the end of the month, we've had to do what I called an offertory. At first, I was embarrassed to do an offertory. It's where I stop teaching, and I simply play music. And the same thing that happens if you go to church where they have an offertory and invite you to bring tithes and offerings and make a commitment so that the bill can be paid for the month. December is usually the smallest offering month of the year. That's strange because it's... What many of you celebrate is Christmas. I'm not big into Christmas. I don't believe Jesus was born on December 25, and I believe it was a pagan holiday. So I give gifts, but I give them to pagans because it's an opportunity for them because they don't understand this whole thing. So I give gifts to them. But please understand... I don't want to have to do an offertory at the end of this month. I don't do fundraising by offering to give you something except I give you the gospel. I give you the unvarnished gospel of Jesus. I'm not going to try to trick you or manipulate you and say, I have this wonderful CD and if you'll send me $25, I'll give you. No, I'm not going to play that game. To me, Christian radio should be supported by Christians who are being fed And if you're not being fed, I shouldn't be on the air. So if you're being fed, I'm asking you to send your tithes and offerings that this radio bill each month can be paid. You can send them to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Now you're also welcome to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We meet every Sunday, 12 noon at the All Saints Anglican Church. It's located in Woodbridge, Virginia, right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel. It's address, 14851, Gideon Drive. That's Gideon as in the great character in scriptures. The one who defeated the Midianites, Gideon. 14851, Gideon Drive. Woodbridge, Virginia two two one nine two. Now you're also welcome to go to our webpage. The webpage is nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. dot com. There you'll find this video streaming live. You'll also find podcasts of prior broadcasts or YouTube's. Um, you're welcome to use the written material. It is all offered to you free of charge. I don't believe in charging. I believe that instead the, the work of the gospel should be supported by the free will gifts of God's people, the tithes and the offerings. And the National Prayer Chapel is a small congregation, and we're not able in that congregation alone to support the radio. So I invite you to be a part of the congregation with me. And if this broadcast ministers to you, then I need to hear from you. Now, our phone lines are wide open. I'm surprised. I thought some of you would call and recognize that the peace of God is not in your heart and that you want that
1: peace. Is submission the issue? Yes, it is, isn't it? Submission is the real issue.
2: Our phone number is 877 534 In verse 10 of Hebrews, I'm sorry, of James, the fourth chapter, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Welcome. What would you like to share?
0: Yeah, Pastor, how are you doing? This is Mark. I called yesterday. I've called you on numerous occasions. Yes. Um yesterday I said I believe that it's 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 that I'm starting to see the the hope that I can live righteously before God with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know Sometimes I feel, I'm uh, reading the words, and I, the thing about when Jesus said that some seed is spread on rocky ground, and it accepts the word gladly, and then it doesn't have any root. Yes. I I, I worry sometimes it gets me.
2: Well, my question and, to you is, how do you get roots?
0: To just keep focusing on Jesus, right?
2: No, it's more than that. There are specifics involved in building those roots deeply. And they are what's considered the basic Christian disciplines that are given to us in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. The first one is prayer. I pray. And by reading Scripture. I read Scripture. As you pray and you read Scripture, those roots go down deeply. Number two is fasting, and I recommend fasting at least one day a week. And what happens when you fast is your body is hungry, and when your body is hungry, you use that hunger and focus it on hunger for Jesus.
0: Thank you, because I never understood fasting. That kind of makes a little sense.
2: Fasting is simply to focus your hunger on Jesus so that you— you recognize the physical signs of hunger and that helps you then as you begin to go before Jesus to recognize the unrecognized signs of hunger for Jesus in your heart. Now there's a third part and that is giving. Taking the money that you are given by Jesus through your job and giving. Um, Specifically, It talks about giving to the poor. To me, it includes all giving. It includes tithes and offerings brought into the storehouse where you are taught. And it includes giving to poor people, to people who have a need. And what happens when you give money, you are literally taking your labor Because money, earning money, takes physical labor. It takes a portion of your life. You are taking a portion of your life, and you are giving that to another. You are giving your life to another person. And when you give your life to another person, you have to go back to Jesus to get more life. And it creates a vacuum of hunger for Jesus. So those three disciplines are have always been considered by the church fathers as the basic disciplines of God that build deep roots in the heart of a person. Now, Thank you, sir. I, now I include in that in the reading of the word. I would also include preaching, because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So as you've listened to this radio broadcast. It has built a deeper hunger into your spirit, and that builds deeper roots. Does that make sense?
0: It makes complete sense, sir. Thank you very much. The, Is it, go ahead. I, like I said, I, I, it makes complete sense. I just yeah, – I, like I said, when I called yesterday, I explained to you how I was in complete and total darkness when I've come – when Jesus called me to him and – I never really understood because I didn't grow up in like a Christian household, so I didn't understand fasting. And you know, I don't—I I, I fasted before, and I didn't understand. I guess I just did it when I was in, like, when my children were sick. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. for I didn't understand that it it's a discipline that you can put into practice in your life regularly.
2: Yes, at least one day a week. Now I want to give you one more scripture and urge you to go to this scripture and live in it for a while. And it's John the fifteenth chapter. John 15. Let me read for you. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so so that it will be even more fruitful. Okay, he's saying, if as you read these verses all the way through verse uh, 8, he's saying abide in me well there are places of abiding that we are called to by the holy spirit the first place of the first three places of abiding i've already given you as calling them christian disciplines mm-hmm. but as you walk through these three you will begin to grow in your understanding that he's asking you to abide in him in other specific places and he'll call you to those places for example uh, one brother said to me, my place of abiding has become every Sunday church at the National Prayer Chapel. That is an abiding place for me. Uh, for another, abiding is uh, a specific time every day when they take a walk and just focus their entire energy on Jesus, and they prayer walk. That is for them a place of abiding as they pray for their neighborhood. In other words, the Holy Spirit begins to add other abiding places until finally we come to a depth with Jesus where we recognize that everything and everywhere we go is an abiding place in Jesus directed by the Holy Spirit. And when we reach that place, we know our roots are deep in Jesus. So it is abiding in Jesus and getting the roots deeply down into the soil so that we can produce requires perseverance. If you'll notice, the last says it requires perseverance to produce that hundredfold crop. Well, that perseverance is literally abiding in Jesus.
0: Amen. That must have been what Paul was talking about when he was talking about training your body as a fighter would change for a fight. I, I get that now.
2: That's the abiding we're talking about.
0: Yeah. yeah so he, eventually he becomes your everything.
2: He becomes everything. Yeah. And then the roots are deep, and Satan has no opportunity to tear you away. Amen. All right.
0: Thank you, sir, very, yeah. very much. And um, I appreciate you. And as soon as I can get things better, I'll do my best to then help. Um, and with that, God bless you. Have a good day.
2: Thanks. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 877 534 We have time for one really quick call if you'd like to call. And if not, it's okay. I'm simply going to turn to prayer, and I'm going to pray for you. But the phones are open. I'd be willing to pray for you specifically if that is a need in your heart. Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left in the broadcast? We have seven minutes. Okay, we have time for one really quick call. Is there anyone today listening who just senses out of the brokenness of your life, you've been angry, you've been diswrought, you know your life is really hard, and you're saying, "Jesus, would you change it
1: if you'll call quickly? I'll pray with you Yes, welcome. What would you like to share?
3: Yeah, I have a question pastor Yes, um first of all, I just wanted to say, uh it makes a big sense what you mentioned earlier um the analogy that you gave that sometimes she tries to come closer to us, and then we get busy in whatever that is that we are doing, and then he tends to withdraw, and then we feel that absence, and then we start coming closer. And then um, I just wanted to say that makes some sense to me because I felt that in my life. And then, two, my question about giving, like you were speaking with the gentleman before me, about the tithe, like whenever you are at a point where somebody desperately needs help, like financially, and you feel like you can render that help, but then that help is also um, that money or or what you have is only sufficient for like maybe your tithe. Someone had told me in the past that you can only um, give someone help after you've paid your tithe. And so sometimes that was kind of confusing to me. I said, well, if they really need help with, you know, it's food or whatnot. Like, how can I not give it, give it to them, you know, because I don't know. You do that, and then you're short on what you're going to give at church. So my big question is what you give out, I guess, as arms or so, is that included in your tithe as well? Is that considered, what are your tithe?
2: Your question is an excellent one. I have four minutes to answer, so I'm going to answer very quickly. Okay. In the New Testament, we are not called to 10%. We are not called to tithe. We are called to give everything we have and make it available to Jesus. So a Christian in the New Testament does not own his money. It is all to Jesus. So I, I talk about tithes because Malachi says bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. And tithe is a minimum level of giving that I think will bring us into the discipline of God the way we need to be brought into it. But essentially, in the New Testament, it is give what the Lord calls you to give. We don't live under the law. We live under the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to reach out and give to this person, then give to that person. And if you are limited in your funds that you can give, you need to look again at what Jesus has said that all the money belongs to him. And and examine whether you are holding part for yourself and then part that you're going to give to the church. So, in all of your giving, give with a joyful heart, give abundantly, and give as the Holy Spirit calls you and directs you. Does, okay. does, does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it, it it is. I guess I you know I just always thought of what that sister had told me years back, you know, because I always felt like, well, um, it's not so much an issue of, like, how much I'll be left with, but then if I'm helping somebody, isn't that what God would want? But if you're saying, uh, if, you know, what she was telling me that, no, you can only do that after you've saved your 10%, and then...
2: That's what um, many churches, that's what many churches want you to believe because they're concerned about their institutional budget. But let's be honest. It's not about an institutional budget. It's about belonging to Jesus and following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your giving. Okay? Yeah,
3: it clears up a lot in my heart. Thank you very much,
2: Pastor. You're welcome. God bless you. Almighty God. I know today that there are some who did not call who are broken of spirit. And I ask that as they submit to you, you would lift them up. I pray that you will give them the courage to resist the devil and that you would cause him to flee according to your promise. I pray, Lord, today that your spirit will move with mighty power, healing and restoring your children thank you, mighty God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: This is Tracy Weaver. Welcome to Prayer Life. As the New Year drum